when you hold the second highest office in the land, it comes with unique responsibilities. Uh, not just to be above impropriety, but to be above the appearance of impropriety. Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. This past week, Vice President Mike Pence visited Arizona and flanked by Governor Doug Ducey and appointed Senator Martha McSally, uh, Pence defended President Trump's phone call with Ukraine that's caused House Democrats to launch an impeachment inquiry. So I don't really understand what's so complicated. Trump tried to get a foreign country to investigate a political rival for his own personal political advantage, which is kind of the exact thing our founding fathers would have designed impeachment to remedy. What's complicating this situation? Um, I don't know... Uh, well, what's complicating it is all the folderol that preceded it and surrounds it. In, in reality, this isn't what caused the Democrats to launch impeachment uh, proceedings. <laughs> they had been, uh, in essence, doing that. And they didn't launch uh, impeachment proceedings because there wasn't a formal vote of uh, the House to open an impeachment uh, inquiry. Uh, the fact that he personally gains from it, I don't think, is the critical factor uh, because all politicians uh, hope that they gain political benefit from their official actions. What makes this uh, distressing, um, even for someone who's been skeptical about all the other Trump investigations, uh, is uh, that he asked not just that a foreign government conduct a uh, investigation of a political rival, that in and of itself is an abuse of power, but that he asked that foreign government to work with his personal lawyer uh, in the investigation, um, someone who's not working for the U.S. government, so you can't claim that the purpose here is to advance an interest of the U.S. government in uh, investigating uh, possible corrupt activity that it's one of its leaders uh, or a relative of the leader might have engaged in. Um, it's clear uh, that this is a campaign activity uh, because of the way in which he asked for it to be conducted, which isn't through official government channels, but by working with uh, his independent wheeler dealer that was representing Trump, not the U.S. government. So you're, you're saying that it would be distressing anyways, but it's especially distressing that he tried to conduct this through his personal it rips, attorney, which it is It rips any facade uh, off of it. Uh, if he had said, um, please work with... Um, the U.S. government wants to make sure that corruption in Ukraine gets cleaned up. Uh, please work with our State Department, and if you need the assistance of our Department of Justice in anything that we might be able to help, you know, that could at least provide a fig leaf over it. But when he says, work with my personal attorney, um, who's only out to advance my interest and clearly is trying to advance a campaign interest, having nothing to do with the... Uh, interest of the U.S. government. It just makes it 
quite transparent and, uh, and clear. There's just no attempt uh, to disguise what is going on here. From what we know already right now, do you see that as impeachable? And should a president that uh, does what we already know now, what he has already admitted to, because he, he, he has said that he was asking Ukraine uh, to specifically investigate Biden, um, do you think that that warrants uh, impeachment and removal from from office? I haven't offered an opinion on that yet, uh, and I will um, approach it and tell you my current thinking um, about it. Uh, I believe we need to have a fuller understanding of this particular episode. Uh, we in particularly need to know what uh, his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who had interactions with Ukrainian officials, said and did. Um, because as it is worse to ask that the investigation go through his personal attorney, it would be it would compound monumentally uh, the abuse of power if it turns out that military aid to Ukraine was withheld uh, in order to leverage the Ukrainians into conducting this investigation and compound it yet further if that was, for instance, conveyed by Giuliani uh, to the Ukrainians. So I, I do believe we need to flesh out the full context and understand what occurred here. Um, I think we also need to know whether it was an isolated incident. There's reportedly additional conversations that the president has had uh, with foreign leaders uh, that his staff thought uh, might be inappropriate uh, and so placed memoranda memorializing those conversations in the, the computer for super secrets rather than where it would be customarily housed. Uh, that is something that is in the whistleblower complaint. So I think we need to flesh that out as well and find out whether this is a one-off um, or it was a pattern. Trump, in part, answered that by publicly calling for the Chinese to launch an investigation of the Bidens. Um, impeachment is a political judgment um, as to uh, whether there have been abuses of power uh, sufficient to um, cause a majority of the House uh, to impeach and a supermajority of the Senate to convict. Uh, based upon what he has done so far and acknowledges doing, um, I think that one could answer that question in the affirmative. Uh, I believe that it will be, uh, it, it will require more than what's on the record now uh, to persuade 20 Republicans uh, to convict. Let's want to break that down piece by piece the first issue in a lot of the Republicans that are defending this are saying, you know, there's no quid pro quo, quid pro quo. It wasn't a this for that. Uh, Mike Pence, when he was here in Arizona, he said, 
you know, there was no pressure and it was, that's, that's kind of one framing to try to make this seem less um, important. But, you know, the fact is that Ukraine is a very vulnerable country. It relies on U, uh, U.S. assistance for its very sovereignty. Um, and, you know, there's some reporting from the Wall Street Journal that Ukraine is basically, you know, scrambling to figure out just how to stay in Trump's good graces, which, which Trump obviously knows. And... Um, and so, and so this, this idea of you need to do us a favor, though, and you need to, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, and the withholding of, of, of the aid, uh, regardless of when the Ukrainians found out about it or how they re reacted to it, it seems like, you know, to me, it's, you can't hide behind no quid pro quo because there was enormous leverage and there was pressure uh, be, being put from from what we know from the reporting and from the text messages back and forth that we've uh, that we've seen from from U.S. ambassadors about this question. It, it is an abuse of power, irrespective of whether it was a quid pro quo, irrespective of whether there was leverage and irrespective of whether it was something the Ukrainians wanted to do. Um, a president of the United States simply doesn't ask a foreign leader to conduct an investigation uh, in collaboration with his personal attorney over a political rival, irrespective of whether the foreign government is quite happy to do this. I mean, imagine if um, President Obama had, had gone to uh, Vladimir Putin and said, prior to the 2016 election, and say, hey, why don't you go investigate um, what it was that uh, Donald Trump was doing uh, in Moscow in pursuit of, of getting approval for a, an office building, and that he spread some money around. I mean, why don't you look into what he was doing? And Putin, and Putin was to say, sure, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, <laughs> no quid pro quo, no leverage, right. terribly abusive, and everybody who's currently defending Trump um, would have been sharply offended and, and, and gone nuts over yeah. it. So it, it didn't need to be a quid pro quo. But I do think if there was a quid pro quo... Which makes it worse? It, it, it compounds it. Um, the, and, and, and there certainly was an effort by the State Department to say, you want a meeting with the president, here's what will kind of grease the skids. And that included a statement about opening up this um, investigation. We, we don't have a word-for-word -word transcript of the call that occurred. So while what was released doesn't show a quid pro quo, and the favor that he was asking was for a, a different investigation, one that uh, Attorney General William Barr is conducting uh, into the origins of uh, the Russian collusion investigation. And, and that request, I think, is perfectly sound, perfectly appropriate. Um, but we, we, don't, we don't have a word-for-word -word transcript, so we don't know whether there might have been a larger element in that discussion uh, about a quid pro quo, or making it appear more like a quid pro quo. And even in the conversation... Most importantly, we don't know what Giuliani conveyed 
And I still think that to the extent there was explicit messages uh, delivered to Ukraine, it was likely to have been delivered by Giuliani. And that's why I say I think right. we need to have additional investigation, a fuller understanding of the context. But even in the transcript that was released, he mentions Biden's name and, and asks him to work with his personal Yes, attorneys. yes, but, but that, that was later on in the conversation from the do me a favor. Right, so you're... So you're the, okay. the, yeah, the, the favor request related to the investigation that Barr um, is conducting into the origins of the Russian collusion investigation. Now, Trump in the conversation kind of conflated both. Um, and, and so by the end, he was <clears throat> discussing both of them interchangeably and Barr and Giuliani interchangeably. Uh, but to the extent you can understand what Trump was saying, it appeared to me that the favor actually related to something. It's the closest you come to quid pro quo in the discussion, that the favor related to something that was legitimate. Help out with this official investigation that official government officials are conducting. And so the, the extent of that is, is definitely worth worth seeing. And like you said, it's, it, it's important to know whether there were other conversations as well with other countries, you know, including what we already know and what Trump has already admitted, including publicly announcing that China should investigate um, Biden. Uh, but it, it, it sounds like just from what we already know, you know, there is there are grounds for impeachment. It's just if we know those extra things, it might persuade more Republicans to, yeah, to, the, the, to convict. The, 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 the question is, is this enough in and of itself? Uh, and I think it becomes closer to enough in and of itself if the elements of a quid pro quo are more firmly established rather than inferred. The other, the other problem is... It seems like there is no political will to even for Republicans to even say that that was bad, to even say that what Trump did was was wrong. And it, it, I think a lot of people get the impression that no matter what comes out, even if it is more than we already know, which is really bad already, that Republicans are just going to put their head in the sand and pretend like it's 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 nothing wrong and just keep defending and defending and defending. Mitch McConnell has, has already uh, kind of said that he's the firewall behind impeachment. That he's you know he's not going to let it happen. I think it, it's just I think it's just well he has, he, he he has said that that if the House votes to impeach, that Senate rules require him. To bring it to the floor, so he's he's not said that he will uh, block um, a vote in the Senate on the articles of impeachment that the House develops, assuming that uh, they do that. I, I I think that what you said is a fair characterization of the overwhelming number of Republicans and virtually all the Republicans in the House. There is some indication among senators in the Senate that they understand that this is different and more serious. And I think the most significant one is Richard Burr, the uh, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, um, who did not respond by saying, nothing here, just more of the Democrats going crazy. 
he he said it was something to be looked into. Ben Sass, who's been critical of the president in the past, also said this is clearly uh, something different. And I think, and and it's it's small <laughs> potatoes, but also in the Senate, you're not hearing senators defend the president's action and say uh, that uh, what he did was perfectly fine uh, and everybody ought to move on. Instead, they're saying correctly uh, that the the Democrats have been impeachment happy from uh, day one. So I think that's a political positioning statement, but I do believe that it is potentially significant that Republican senators, by and large, aren't defending what the president did the way Republicans in the House are. And you've written also kind of similarly, you you were very skeptical of the Russian uh, investigation from the very beginning. On this podcast. On this podcast. podcast And um, And in print. Yeah, and we talked about it, you know, a few times of, of, you know, kind of the alarmist uh, feelings that are out there and they get reported on, they get kind of blown out of proportion. But I always thought, uh, we called it like a, a check-in with, with Robert Robb and see what, <laughs> what level of alarm that you were, uh, were responding to. So I think it is significant that, um, you know, people like you and, and Sass, who he has been critical of, uh, of the president, but recently... He, he got an endorsement by, by President Trump. It's Ben's, uh, Senator Ben Sass in Nebraska. Um, so people who aren't, people who aren't uh, automatically, reflexively anti-Trump are recognizing that this is different and this is a, this is a problem um, in a different way. Let's talk about process a little more. Uh, Peggy Noonan had a had an interesting column uh, in the Wall Street Journal this weekend um, asking if Democrats will be able to be serious enough with this inquiry. And already you mentioned a couple process things. Um, one of the main attacks that that Repu- or counterattacks Republicans are making is calling out Adam Schiff, who is in the House intelligence committee that's kind of running this and, and, and saying they're just impeachment happy and they hate President Trump, so they're manipulating this and lying. So so a question is, can, can Democrats conduct this and, and stay disciplined enough to convince enough people that this is serious? So far, strike one maybe is not launching the official impeachment inquiry. How does that normally happen? And what, what did Pelo- uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, how did she approach this one? Uh, well, every time there's been a impeachment inquiry in the past, uh, it was opened through a vote of the entire body of the House. This time, Pelosi just said these six investigations we already have going on, I now dub the uh, investigate uh, impeachment investigations. I don't think that's a sign of a lack of seriousness, except in this respect, and this is what I think is important about it. A, if the House is conducting an impeachment inquiry, its ability under the Constitution to compel evidence uh, from the executive branch uh, 
increases um, and claims of executive privilege or, or there is no um, legislative interest uh, that justifies asking for this information kind of goes by the wayside. The courts have never firmly identified what additional investigative powers to compel evidence exists under impeachment, but everyone assumes that it's greater and potentially much greater. Well, I don't think that the House can say that they have done what's necessary to trigger that additional um, ability to compel evidence. I don't think that the Speaker of the House saying something is an impeachment inquiry doesn't make it an impeachment inquiry. Um, the additional powers rest with the body, uh, not with the speaker. So it's clear that uh, Trump and his administration and even those outside his administration are going to stiff all of these requests for information. Uh, that will then go to a, the court. Um, the House will claim that it is conducting an impeachment investigation, so these things are relevant. Trump's side will say, well, no, there's no impeachment investigation. You haven't had a formal vote. I think the Trump folks win that legal argument. Um, so the lack of, it's not so much the lack of seriousness as uh, lack of discipline as I think it is. I think that exists in spades. And I think the answer is no, they will not be able to conduct the kind of hearings that will persuade the nation and enough senators to convict. I don't think they've got the discipline to do that. Uh, and I do think that they are Trump deranged. Um, but uh, I also think they're likely to lose at the court level in terms of asking to compel all this information. So I think you're going to see that thing churn. Uh, Pelosi wants it to run like a well-oiled machine and and get the investigations out in October and vote the articles out by the end of the year. I think we're in for a court interlude. Do you have to have that official inquiry in order to bring articles of impeachment? Could they just write up articles from what we already know right now and, and bring them to a vote? They can, uh, but uh, I don't think you would get to that fuller context uh, that I was talking about. And so I don't think you would... So it would be less move, persuasive, maybe? You, you wouldn't move the nation around... Uh, along and you you wouldn't have, you wouldn't weaken the opposition among Republicans in in the Senate it, it would be just okay here's what we decided to throw at the guy so why wouldn't Pelosi hold hold a hold a vote one of the theories is maybe she doesn't want to there's some moderate Democrats who are invulnerable Districts maybe that that don't want to that don't want to vote for an inquiry. Another theory that Peggy Noonan offered was maybe uh, she doesn't want it to just be a partisan vote for for an inquiry. I mean, if why not just hold a vote if you're anticipating not getting the documents from from the Trump administration? Well, I think she probably thinks that I'm wrong, uh, and and I mean, there's no constitutional requirement mm -hmm. that that you have a vote to open up the impeachment uh, proceedings. Uh, and uh, Nadler from the Judiciary Committee had already announced that his committee was holding uh, an impeachment 
uh, inquiry. But I think you identified the the two reasons not to 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 uh, at this point. No one knows whether this is going anyplace or not. So why subject uh, your swing moderate Republicans to a tough vote that may hurt them until you know that you've got a chance to ultimately succeed in removing Trump from office? And at this point in time, it would be a pure partisan line um, vote. The only Republican, former Republican that would vote for it is... Uh, Amish, who who switched to being an independent, mm-hmm. um, so uh, and and so that from the beginning taints it as a partisan exercise. So so there's not a single House Republican who would look at what we already know, which is Trump at least asking a foreign country to investigate Biden. There's not a single House Republican that would say we should at least look into this more. In, in a formal impeachment inquiry? Well, the, the, it's the latter part that I think clinches it because the purpose of an impeachment is to decide to remove the president from office. I think there would be Republicans that would say we should flesh this out, understand more about it. I haven't read of any Republicans who are willing to vote to open up an impeachment inquiry, but I, I haven't done a caucus vote of, of all of them, but I'd be surprised. It's just and in in the house the house is solidly behind Trump, just yeah. lock stock and barrel. The the only potential for independent thinking on the subject lies in the Senate among Republicans. Yeah, that's why I mean that's to me it's it's wild that 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 action that if you just had that action of interacting with the foreign country for that for that purpose, you know, just if you didn't put any names on it and you just said a president does this. Is that an impeachable offense? I think everyone would say yes. You, can, you know that's well, that's I, violating our, our I, I, even I, our sovereignty. I think the it's overwhelming a, number of people outside of Congress would say yes. But if you put if if the Obama Putin scenario that I uh-huh. offered had taken place, I don't think you would have any Democrats voting to open up an impeachment inquiry over that. That that is how hardened. Uh, the partisan resolve has uh, become uh, in the House of Representatives. It's sad to say that, um, but I, I do believe that if Obama had done something comparable and Republicans were in charge of the House, not that Obama would have done something <laughs> comparable. That's that's one of the main points here. But if he had... Um, I don't. I, I. I just think that that the House of Representatives have become so hardened in along partisan grounds uh, that everyone's playing for team. I just don't see any other president or any other situation having this sort of cult personality uh, around Trump. That. It's almost like it doesn't matter what he does or what he says. It's just the entire party, in terms of leadership and in the House, is just basically saying our our our, our philosophy right now is anything Trump does is right, and we're going to defend it no matter what. I don't think I honestly don't think that a previous Republican president or or even a Democrat president. I don't think that you would see that same. You know, to even go I, I, against your, I mean, about just like trade and tariffs. I mean, you get you have people to- entirely reversing what they what their 
ideological beliefs were just because Trump is is doing it and 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 their whole you know <laughs> meeting you know is is willingness to meet with you know and and interact and be lovey-dovey with all these dictators i mean just stuff like that i just i just don't get the the attachment and i i really do think that democrats would at least criticize obama and be if, if it is that egregious as it is right now that it would be talked about in a, in a more rational way on the, on their side I, I don't share that confidence. Um, I, I do, I, I think what you describe more exists at the grassroots level um, than in Congress itself and um, the support for Trump in Congress is a function of the personal loyalty that has attached to him at the grassroots um, level. And, and there is some kickback among Republicans on um, trade, um, particularly, again, in, in the Senate. Uh, but I, I do believe that we have so hardened partisanship in the House of Representatives that I don't share your confidence that if Obama had done something similarly and Democrats were in the minority, not the party that's responsible, uh, that they would have been willing to criticize it or behave differently than the Republicans are behaving with respect to Trump. It's worth, I think, also touching on um, the accusations that Republicans are making uh, against Biden because it seems to me to be totally, from what I've read, completely misinformation and inaccurate in terms of the the, the nature of the investigation that um, that Biden was that Joe Biden was trying to change in Ukraine. From what I understand, Biden was working on in his official, Joe Biden was working in his official capacity with the United States government in coordination with other Western countries to, to try to get the Ukraine prosecutor uh, to be more aggressive with rooting out corruption. In other words, um, he wasn't, uh, making a request on Ukraine on behalf of his son to try to get him out of trouble, um, but that he was in his official duties trying to uh, get a tougher prosecutor in there that would root out corruption. And, and it's being framed by Trump people as like the opposite. I, I don't think Biden emerges from this looking very good. Um, there is, in my judgment, little doubt that foreign countries, the foreign companies, including the Uranian Energy Company, um, put Hunter Biden on their board of directors and paid him large sums of money uh, because of at least the perception uh, that that would create some political influence uh, with respect to his father and the Obama administration. Uh, that's not good. Uh, I think that things are still a little cloudy uh, about the extent to which the company that uh, Hunter Biden uh, joined uh, was under investigation at the time that 
uh, his father was uh, seeking to get the prosecutor fired. Uh, Anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine have been a um, fragmented uh, process. I mean, they went through, during this period of time, two different prosecutors. Uh, so um, there has been no evidence that has surfaced uh, that uh, Joe Biden specifically tried to stop an investigation of the company that his son uh, joined the board of. Uh, but there's no question that his son was paid large sums of money, in part, uh, well, primarily because of a perception that he would have influence with his father and it would purchase something um, for those companies. Uh, and the extent to which that company was under investigation or ought to be under investigation, I don't think is particularly well known. So I, I think a lot of the media reports have gone out of their way to exonerate, mm -hmm. say there was no wrongdoing. Well, there's something wrong uh, about giving the sons and daughters of powerful political figures lots of money, uh, out of a perception at least, if not the reality that they're going to have some kind of influence. Uh, and um, I don't think we know enough about the circumstances dealing with this particular company. Now, I don't think that Joe Biden was motivated principally or even significantly to stop an investigation of a company that is um, child was a member of the board of directors of. So um, the overall conspiracy theory that Rudy Giuliani has uh, taught to spin, um, I think is probably unwarranted. That doesn't mean that there's clean hands here um, or that there's enough known about this particular company and the investigations into it and what status they were in and what has happened to them and what should happen. Yeah, and, and to me, bottom line on that is that's a totally separate thing than what Trump did in terms of whether it's grounds for impeachment. Just like I think the previous investigations into the Russian collusion, the previous um, talks about impeachment for other things, uh, that should not affect how we exam examine this specific thing that that Trump uh, has already admitted that he did, you know. So uh, that's what I, you know, I, I think. I think it's just it's just so much noise, misinformation. I think even people that are earnestly trying to figure out what's going on are are confused. They're I, saying, "Well, but, what about that? What about this? But, what about but, that?" And they're like, "Oh, forget it." Well, but, but, but I think. But once again, there's an attempt to whitewash what the Bidens were doing in an attempt to make. Trump look even worse. Um, and you're right. Uh, independent of what the Bidens did or didn't do, uh, asking a foreign government to investigate a political rival, working with your personal attorney, is flat wrong. Yeah. Um, but you increase the extent to which Republicans in general, and Trump supporters in particular, um, think that this is all part of the overall anti-Trump effort uh, when uh, the situation with the Bidens is whitewashed and dismissed. Uh, that's troubling. And it's so, it's just, it's so hypocritical. I mean, 
the other reality is that, you know, there's a lot of murky and, and probably self-dealing stuff going on with Trump's businesses and Trump's hotels and his kids doing all these other businesses. And it's, it's, he doesn't seem to care very much about corruption in any other country, in any other situation, including Saudi Arabia, North Korea. You know, he's doesn't seem to show any uh, concern well, he's about... He's got a new profound interest in corruption in China. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, yeah. Apparently. No, but you're, you're, you're right. It, there's nothing about the Biden situation that justifies or lessens the offense of what Trump committed. But what the situation that the Bidens were uh, involved in, in Ukraine, um, is problematic at best. Last, uh, last point on this, we started with a clip of uh, Vice President Mike Pence. I, I feel like he was, you know, there was a story that came out a couple days ago, right before Pence's visit to Arizona, in which he he dissed himself a little bit from the phone call. He said, uh, you know, he tra because he traveled to Ukraine after that for some meeting, and he said, I wasn't aware of that phone call when I went over there. I wasn't acting for that reason. And but then when when he was out in Arizona uh, with uh, Senator McSally and, and and Governor Ducey, full defense of, of of Trump and the call and being flanked by Ducey and McSally, it just seemed to me as he was kind of maybe Trump was has been trying to draw in Pence to this because he knows that he needs to be on the same board with them, and it, I, I felt like Pence was sort of insulating himself by Arizona Republicans as as you know, as further solidification of the Republican support of this phone call. Um, do you think, from what you know and have, have read so far, do you think Pence has any chance of being drawn into this uh, if, if Trump does get impeached and removed? I haven't seen anything that suggests that he would be complicit in, in the abuse of power, although there are subpoenas that have been issued asking for information from he and his office. Um, there's no question that he owns the Trump legacy if Trump is impeached and convicted and he is the nominee uh, in 2020. He, he has um, hitched his star and um, perhaps more recklessly his reputation um, to Trump. I do believe that the appearance of McSally and, and Ducey was more happenstance. He, he was here to raise money for her, uh, and they held a press availability, and the only thing the press was interested yeah. in, understandably, was this. So I, I don't think that there's anything to be read into the fact that McSally and, and Ducey were there and flanking him, except that it accentuates the extent to which uh, Trump uh, has stained um, the overall Republican brand and uh, created the um, difficulty in persuading people like you uh, that there's a shred of independent integrity um, left in the Republican Party. Uh, this, I think, is a 
uh, generational problem for Republicans. I used to think that when Trump was gone, it would all go away. We've had some discussions about mm -hmm. this on this podcast. I have a feeling that the stain uh, that he has cast on um, the party, uh, particularly with younger voters, uh, will last a while, and there will need to be some work done. But I think that that was it, it. Perhaps captured something important, but with McSally and Ducey flanking um, Pence, uh, but I think it occurred by happenstance. All right. Well, last question here. Talk about some sports a little bit. Um, Arizona Cardinals got their first victory a little bit earlier today. Um, and uh, we also lost uh, the, the founder of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Bill Bidwell. You had some interactions uh, with uh, Mr. Bidwell in your career. Uh, can you offer just some personal reflections on him as an individual and my, my personal reactions, interactions were, were limited. I, I uh, handled the first campaign um, for a dome stadium for uh, the Cardinals, and, and I dealt mostly with Michael Bidwell. I had some interactions uh, with Bill, Bill Bidwell. Um, he was a gentleman and a raconteur, uh, and um, he also had an opportunity and showed his character when he didn't take advantage of the opportunity in the fight for a dome stadium um, for his football team. When he moved the team here from uh, St. Louis, um, some of the downtown bigwigs um, flatly promised uh, that there would be a dome uh, stadium that would be built in downtown Phoenix for him. Uh, they couldn't deliver that, uh, and uh, he didn't publicly complain about that. Uh, he didn't take up his team and move elsewhere. Uh, he and the Cardinals rolled up their sleeves and went to work at producing one for themselves uh, and ultimately succeeded. And I think that showed, um, along with his many unheralded charitable contributions, uh, that um, this was a good and decent man. Well, rest in peace, Bill Bidwell. Best wishes to the Bidwell uh, family, and, and congratulations to the Arizona Cardinals for their first win. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on any podcasting app, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, even Spotify. Thanks.